Top of the day, everyone. This is Hot Garbage True Crime Edition, and I am your host, Nisha Brown, and this is my beautiful, wonderful best friend and co-host. Who the badass. And this is great. I haven't seen you or talked to you since last year. That's so real, girl. It technically has been. I can't believe you know. And I always try to do good. I don't do New Year's resolutions because I always want to like. I always push myself to do good no matter what day it is. Really, you don't give yourself resolutions? No, because I just every single day I just strive to be like the best. So if I do New Year's resolutions, most people don't follow through with them, and I follow. I feel like they stress themselves out too much. Versus if you do it every day, then you will follow through more. Uh-huh. Did you ever notice that? I did not. I did, well, I give myself different type of resolutions. You know, like, I give myself, like, an overall, like, this is the year I'm going to work on this on my on myself. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, I feel like my, my model for this year is shake the lazies, man. Yeah. Don't be lazy about it. If you can do it, just get up and do it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's what happens to about 80% of the stuff that I don't get done. It's just on lazies. Yeah. You know? Like feeling like just not willing to put in the energy to take the time to do whatever it is to get done, get it done. Yeah, no lazies. Lazies. You sleep when you're dead. That's my model. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that, though. Yeah, you sleep when you're dead. That's some cocaine theories right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gets people snorting right there. It's almost sleep when you're dead. Jesus. Uh, that's, speaking of which, by the time this drops, my new book will be out by the time this episode is out. And it's called Functional But In Love With The Cocaine. Wow. I mean, that was a way to plug that in there. Yeah. <laughs> underhand. Well, like, since we're talking about cocaine. Yeah. It'll be out on Amazon, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what we're promoting now? Is that one of the sponsors? Is the cocaine dealer? No. That, like, <laughs> that is not Are we sponsored sponsor. by the yay? Uh, no, no, no. We're not sponsored by the yay yet. But <laughs> I, I see how you said yet. I, I thought it was yay yay, but I had to sit here and, and look you in the eye while you said yet. Yes. <laughs> well, I did before we get to the back to the story and the recap. I want to thank everyone who's listening to us. We're international now. We have people in Canada and Qatar that's listening to us. I really appreciate you guys. We do love you in the other countries. I think it's amazing. Canada, I don't know what you say. I know I, I know that they say uh, A a lot. You do that, A. Eh? Oh. I would say that and Remember, there's a lot of snow, and there's not a, and that's not as much racism. Like Canadians are cool, and they they smoke weed. Well, I want to go to Canada really bad. Right, but right yeah. there makes me like already. You got a free medical system. Yeah, you're not racist, and you're smoking weed. Blam! I'm yeah. like, is that California? Yeah, it's like a giant California. Yeah, I go to Canada. Canada. Yeah, so hopefully we will be there to check you guys out. You guys can also show, support us if you love our show. Like, share it. We're on Facebook, Instagram. I'll tell you guys how to reach us at the end. Um, and also, you can actually donate to our show if you love us so much. Um, there is in the show notes there is a link. So if you want to donate to the show, that would be wonderful. How long have you been getting free stuff? That you have not been to donate to the show? Yeah, you You've been getting stuff? No. Donated to you? <laughs> no, I have not been getting Is that how your hair stays so whipped? No, no. This is a new podcast thing, which I didn't know. Like, pretty soon we'll be able to get sponsors, and we will also be able to have people donate to us if they love us so much. Okay. Yes, this is some. This is a new <laughs> thing for us, so we're kind of learning what we can and can't do in this podcast world. Uh, I think you're learning, and you're not telling me. But no. you're, you're getting your bur- your bennies out of this. No, absolutely not. I, I need to definitely talk to my lawyer after this. Show. <laughs> I would never do that to Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's uh, why every single week you thank you 
makes a lot of audience think that I'm just some kind of weirdo. Or, I just speak out what's going on. You say <laughs> stuff that's on your mind, and you say it's weirdo. I just re, I just speak it back to you. Like, did you hear what you just said? <laughs> and then you feel like I feel weird right now. That's why. <laughs> I think that's why. You feel like you don't stand. You stand out, and you're giving away your secrets. You're an assassin killer who's talking <laughs> a little too much. That's what's happening. And I'm who, pulling who's it out. Stealing all the donations from the show. But that's what you're doing. No, no, you admitted it on the under. You never told me about this stuff. No, like for, for real. When donations start coming in, I will let you know about it. We just got international. Now we're gonna get donations. Do you talk to people other than me about this stuff in a private room somewhere in a corporate building? <laughs> well, I do. Like, a lot of times, like, I do um, research a lot because, like I said, I'm new to this, too. Like, I don't know what I can and can't do yet in the podcasting world. And, you know, as I learn, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm telling you team. now. It becomes rich and famous. You better give me some type of title. Don't you just be executive, corporate, CEO, <laughs> sponsor, ladyship, your net server, whatever. I'm gonna, I want one of those knighthoods, too, is all I'm saying. Don't worry. <coughs> We're all going to eat. Everybody that is in my camp is going to eat. Okay, and donate alcohol, because we drink every time yeah. on every episode. Yes, so we we'll do. So we'll sponsor your alcohol. <laughs> so are you ready to get back to the story? I'm going to give you a recap. Yes, Miss CEO. <laughs> do you remember where we left off at? Uh, not quite. Oh, yeah. So the last time, so Dorner, of course, went on a, a rampage, and he actually killed... Um, uh, Officer Kwan's daughter and her fiance in the car. Mm. And they actually found the police department actually went online, found his Facebook page where he had wrote a manifesto, allowed 11,000 word manifesto stating who was in there, who he had it out for mm. because he had gotten fired from the police department. And so right now he's just on a rampage right now. Isn't he the same guy that left his whole killer outfit? Yes. And then a dumpster on a videotape outside of a Denny's. Yes, and the weapons as well. Like right, while, yeah. like while dancing with the weapons in his hand. It was no, it was at a, uh, it was at, a, no, it was at a stereo, it was like at a stereo store, like an electronic store outside of that. So it was right outside the police station. So it's like he wanted to get caught. It seems like, but he's on the run right now. Like where did you even find a Radio Shack stereo store even? Right. Well, that's where we left off at. So now picking up where we left off. After the discovery of the manifesto that was on the Facebook, the LAPD dispatched about 200 cops in rotating protection for the people that was in the manifesto that he listed. And remember, one of them was Evans, which was his old partner and his supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that, because he felt like she was the one that got him fired because she kicked the, you know, the handicapped guy. Mm-hmm. And so they believed her over him. So she was in there. So each person listed in the manifesto had protection 24 hours a day. So on Tuesday, February 5th, and this was in 2013, Dorner actually approached a dock worker, and it was at a point Loma Pierre. I just got one thing I want to add, because it seems like you're about to go back into getting real. Yes. So when white people get threatened by a black guy, all of a sudden, you guys got 24-hour protection. I told y'all that some dudes was dealing cocaine in front of my house. Oh, yeah. That story and was wild. And you guys just told me just to, you know, look out for them. Yeah. And don't, and don't talk to them when you see them. I'm like, they came to my right. house. And they straight up said, told they, you. Like, like, I'm still going to keep doing it. If yeah, I'm, I'm going to slang cocaine in front of your place because before you moved in here, this was my grandma's spot and this is what we used to do anyway. Oh, my gosh. That was so So wild. I flat out tell you that there's guys threatening my life saying that they're going to sell cocaine and you don't do a damn thing and you don't give me no type of watch. You just tell me watch myself. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's crazy. And this crazy. dude writes this shit down in a letter and they get 24-hour 200 cop watch. 200 cops. 
Oh, it's about to get wilder. That's just interesting to me. It, yeah, it's about to get. So that lets you know, like us regular civilians, we have no protection. Right. Oh my gosh, you have to be like super high up to have any kind of protection. I mean, I know people that's had restraining orders on people, and restraining orders is just a piece of paper. That's right. What they, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've known many people that I've had, I've known a person that had restraining on her on, on his fucking girlfriend. Oh my god. They were living together and he had a restraining order. What? How does that work? Because I, restraining orders. Because. Because y'all don't keep up on the records on what yeah. this person actually is. Wow. So they broke up, got a restraining order, got back together when the restraining order was still active. Wow. <laughs> that's like, man, okay, so you can't go to the bathroom when I'm in the bathroom. Like, I think about that so petty. <laughs> right. You technically couldn't if you, if you wanted to push it. Oh, that lets me know. So I could just... But there's nobody it. enforcing it. That is so petty. <laughs> so, so Dorner approached the dock worker... And he lied and said that he was a soldier getting ready to go to Iraq and he wanted to go fix fishing in Mexico before he left. So the dock worker said that, you know, he couldn't leave the harbor himself and he didn't know any boats that was available for him to hire at that point. But he he said later, he said he thought it was weird that he would want to go fishing instead of like maybe being with his family or being with a girlfriend. So he was like, that's kind of weird, you know. So Dorner ended up leaving the dock when he couldn't get a ride on Wednesday evening. So, Dorner then headed to a yacht club in San Diego, and he boarded a yacht that was owned by an 81-year-old man and his wife. This is after he dumped the stuff. He, he yeah, this is after he dumped the stuff. Out. Yeah, now he's, he's trying to get out of the country, so he's trying to go to Mexico, so he went to the docks. Okay. And so now, at this time, the wife had gone into L.A. that day, so the man, he, the little old man, he was alone on the boat. So, Dorner got on the boat, the yacht, held him at gunpoint, and he told him that they were going to go to Mexico. And so Dorner untied the knot to prepare for takeoff, but he didn't know how to launch boats from the dock. So instead of throwing the rope on the dock, he threw it in the water. So this caused the rope to drift into the water under the boat, and it caused the engine to just shut down. Well, yeah, under the propeller. Yeah. So the owner of the boat was so scared that he told Dorner that he could just take his car. He said, I have a car, you know, you could just use that. But Dorner was like, he can't be on the street where he could be seen. So he then took the shoelaces out of the man's shoes and he tied his hands and feet together. He then stole the man's cell phone and he left. So the man was able to free himself and he called the police. Yes, he was. Yeah, there were shoelaces, right. So this all happened at around 10 p.m. And then after midnight on February 6th, a repo man named Lee McDaniel was at a gas station filling up his truck when he recognized a gray Nissan Titan truck at the next pump. So he recognized Dorner because at this point, Dorner had been a plaster like all over the news. His picture was released, the make and model of his truck, and the license plate. So since McDaniel was a repo man, he was able to run the license plate of the truck through the database, and he saw that Dorner had switched the license plates. So it didn't match, but he knew that was him. And so he was going to call the police, but ironically, an LAPD officer pulled into the gas station just then. So when McDonald, when McDaniel went up to the cops, Dorner had already left, and he got on Interstate 15. So literally, he they had just passed each other, which mm. is wild. So the officer started following Dorner after he had got tipped off, and he pulled onto an off-ramp. So that's when Dorner pulls onto an off-ramp, and when the police followed it, it turned out to be an ambush. So what Dorner did was he fired at the officers with an assault rifle. And so what he did was he blew out the radiator and the, the, the tire of one of the cop cars was punctured at that point. And one of the officers was grazed. 
How, I mean, did he just lean out the window and unrat a tatter? Yeah, he just because he because I guess when he turned off the off ramp, the officer didn't see exactly where he went, so they thought they was just following him. But he was really off to the side. He leaned out the window and just just rat a tatter. Mm. Yeah, so so they couldn't go anywhere, obviously, because their tires now blew out. And the radiator. And the radiator. They learned that from Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. So, patrol officers named Michael Crane and Andrew Tachius were alerted that Dorner was in their area at that time. So, Dorner pulled up and shot into their police car, and he drove off. So, he drove by them. He shot into their police car. He drove off. Now, a cab driver that was on the street ran over to help the police that was in the car. Now, Crane died from the injuries, and Tachius survived, but he was rushed to the hospital. So he's already, so the two that he shot at on the freeway, they're alive. Their car is just messed up, but then he goes and finds two other cops, and he injures them. Well, he kills one people. I mean, one of them. So at this point, he's killed three people. So he's killed the daughter, the uh, fiance, and now a cop. Right, and he's fired upon multiple. Yeah, mm-hmm. So later that morning... He's upon multiple, too. Now, this is where it gets really crazy, because at this point, there's just an all-out manhunt for this guy. So, later that morning in Torrance, California, there was a mother and daughter named Emma Hernandez. So, is he driving towards Mexico this whole time, or is he now just no, driving around now he's just yachts? now he's just driving around. I mean, I think at the time, he was trying to get to Mexico, but when the yacht thing fell through, now I think he's trying to think of another plan, because this part, I never understood kind of what he was trying to do, because he told the guy he didn't want to be on the street. But I guess he figured he best will just be on the street because now it looks like he's in his own truck. He just switched the license plates. Right. I mean, he should have just took that guy's car. Right. So now this is where it gets really crazy. So later on that morning in Torrance, California, there was a mother named Emma Hernandez, and she was 71 years old. And then Margie Carranza was her daughter, and she was 46 years old. And they were, you know, they were on the newspaper delivery. So they would, they took their Toyota, their blue Toyota um, Tacoma pickup, and they would, you know, deliver papers and stuff, something to do as a mother-daughter. And so along their route, though, was the home of an LAPD captain who was on Dorner's hit list. So they was, you know, being, they was being uh, guarded, basically. He was being guarded. Mm-hmm. So the women all of a sudden heard a whole bunch of gunshots and bullets flew all into their truck. Because by them coming to deliver the papers, the police was alerted and they thought that that was the pickup truck. Which, why well, I don't know, because Dorner's pickup truck was gray. Theirs was blue. So I guess now they're just shooting at any truck they see. So the bullets flew all into their truck. Emma kind of, you know, got over on her daughter trying to protect her. She was shot in the back. Mm-hmm. Now she is okay. She did survive. Her daughter didn't get hit at all, but and she's rich now. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to that about what happened with that. But this whole thing is crazy. Eight police officers fired more than a hundred rounds at their truck and in their truck. Damn. Yeah, because they had mistaken the truck for Dorners. Now the whole neighborhood had been shot up. So at this point, neighbors was coming out of their houses. There was casing all in their grass. It, it was it went through people's houses because they all thought that this was Dorners' truck. So they basically shot up a whole neighborhood because of this so Emma was rushed to the hospital like I said thank goodness she survived and Margie didn't get hit at all now this is where it gets crazy so a few blocks away right there was a man named David Purdue and he was off he was going to go surfing that day with some of his friends so he went to go pick up one of his friends that was kind of in that same neighborhood like one neighborhood over well the cops was basically blocking that area and told him he had to turn around and go the other way that he couldn't go right 
So he he followed their directions. He turned around and went back. But when David turned around, another LAPD officer started shooting at him, and they they ran into his truck and they started shooting at him because they thought again that he was Dorner. And, <laughs> yeah. And this is turning into Rosewood right here. Yeah, this is crazy thing. And so they actually messed up his truck and everything, and they they dragged him out of the truck. And when they saw him, he was actually a white man. And they was like, they were so apologetic to him. Like, he looked nothing like Dorner. And they were so apologetic. And they really sat down and explained to him. They said, the reason that we did this is because we were actually responding to the shots fired that uh, that was shot at those two ladies. So they was trying to respond to those police officers because they thought that, you know, Dorner was in that neighborhood. So they actually shot him up because they thought that Dorner was in that area and he had fled. So they sat down and explained all this to him. And that, that was the craziest thing ever. I was like, that tells me now, no matter what race you are, you hear gunshots, go the other direction. Right, go in the Don't other direction. Don't go over there. Right. Because they hitting everybody. He was trying to, I felt so bad he was trying to pick his friend up to go surfing. That's so horrible. And so... Now, there's a little town called Black Bear. Now, this is a vacation town, and this is a little bit further off. On Thursday, February 7th, there was a snowplow driver. That sounds like a, a woodsy town. Yeah, it's a woodsy town. Basically, it's a lot of cabins and, you know, stuff like that. And people yeah, go Black there for Bear, Yeah. yeah. It's a good state, though. Oh, Black Bear Donner has great steak. <laughs> I'm talking about the whole state. The whole city got good steak. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. they have yeah, Big Bear. Um, and there's a lot of people that's retired, actually, and that was living there for a long time, too. Oh, that means it's good barbecue at Black Bear. Yeah. Retirees like to grill. Oh, yeah. Man, I got to go up there just for some barbecue. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, man, I got a couple of older friends, and I'm telling you, they grill it up. They yeah. grill it on up. But they are really putting meat on the grill, right? Not like human meat or anything. What? So that's why I make, I don't eat everybody's food because I'd be so scared. Oh, wow. Great. Yes, don't. they do stuff like tri-tip and all that stuff. Oh, like good. The, the, the finer cuts and all that. They, shish kebab. Oh, I love shish like kebab. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Because sometimes mushrooms. you just never know what you're eating. Like, I, we'll hear some of these stories, and I'm like, I'm never eating at anybody's house ever. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah. It's going to make you not. <laughs> <laughs> Keep hanging out with you. I'm going to be antisocial. That is my future. So, at Big Bear, on Thursday, February 7th, there was a snowplow driver that, that found the remains of Dorner's burnt-up pickup truck in the snow. So, there were the charred remains of two AR-15 assault rifles, blocks, a survival knife, a tent, and survival stove. And they verified that this was his truck by the VIN number. So, you don't seem survival ready to me. Yeah. It's, like, it's, well, he's just been doing this shit. Yes, yeah, He's been, and then there was what what he did was hundreds of ammunition had exploded in the truck and outside in the snow. So what? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. You ain't survival ready. Yeah, get so your ass <laughs> caught and get over there. Right. Uh, <coughs> so the SWAT team. What they need uh-huh. is is um, what's his name from U.S. Marshals? That's what they need. Oh, I, know, I don't down. know his name. I don't know his name though. But he was a big one, huh? Like anytime something was needed. Like in house, out house, barn house, they yeah. need that motherfucker finding him because he actually could look at somebody's shoe print yeah. and can pick your ass up. He yeah, know what direction you was and how old you is. Yeah, I wouldn't want that guy on me. Like, <laughs> he ate Wheaties this morning. Yeah. He could say shit like that. And so the SWAT team was then called, and and all the areas in Big Bear was put on lockdown. 
There was roadblocks. There was a door-to-door search started. People were evacuated to make sure that Dorner was nowhere in the area. A witness actually stated that she has seen Dorner walking down the road dressed in boots and ca- camouflage, and he had something hidden under his jacket. So I don't trust nobody walking down the street in camouflage. I don't either, honestly. I'm sorry to any military or anything like that, but I just no military is anything that's different. Like <laughs> or, even the or, men look sexy, and I am heterosexual uh, like a mofo. Yeah, but I look at them men and I'd be like, I wish I was you. So <laughs> oh my god, they're so like, rich. Now, they, they, they have like so, a 10 pack. Well, that, uh, well, no, they don't. Not every military person. Well, see, everybody in your mind, military and prison is just ripped in your mind. In reality, it's the uniform that make it look like that. Oh, you've never seen that shirtless? What? Oh, we're no. going way yeah, left You brought it this. up. You were the one. I was talking about uniforms. Oh. And how I'm going to look good in <laughs> And you uh, took this a whole. They run their mouths shirtless. I've seen it with my own eyeballs. Where? Where are military guys with no shirts on running? I well, I don't want to like give away, so I'll tell you after, like you know, off the call. I don't want. I don't need to know. I don't okay. need to know. Don't you sure? Because I don't be telling people on the air like I'm asking you this stuff off the air. <laughs> <laughs> So the news came in to report Anderson Cooper uh, from CNN actually received a package from Dorner earlier in the week. And in the package that the newscaster received, he had he gave him an LAPD coin with a bullet hole in the middle of it. Now, this coin had been a gift from the chief of police to honor his service in the Navy. But that chief of police who had given him the coin was the same chief of police who signed off on his termination. The police department was so scared that they were basically all deleting their social media accounts because they were so scared that that he was going to be able to find them through social media. Donor's face was everywhere. In Nowak, California, a secret establishment was established called a Joint Regional Intelligence Center, and it focuses mainly on terrorists and attacks and stuff like that. So they monitored his mom, his sister. Wait a minute, a whole group was invented because of this man? Mm -hmm, Because of him, yeah. Intense. They had to monitor his mom, his sister, his phone records. There was no activity on his bank accounts or his credit cards. So they actually did check in with the Navy because they wanted to find out, like, what kind of guy is this? They wanted to find out exactly how in-depth his training was. Like, are they dealing with someone that's a survivalist that will be able to just survive for a very long time? You know, they had to find out. When you find those exploded bullets, you should ask your own question. <laughs> right. Tell me about it. So what they found out was he had only gone through basic combat training, but did not verify that he was an expert marksman, like he had said in the beginning. And he had not been trained in any special operations, and he had failed flight school. So remember, he had wanted to, you know, be a pilot, but he had failed flight school, so he wasn't going to be able to fly in the mil- in the navy at all. They also found out that it was interesting. He lied to the women that he wanted to date by saying that he was on the SWAT team instead of just a regular police officer. And he would say he's a combat veteran. And he would say he's an internal affairs investigator. So he would just make his position just so much higher up than he was when he was just a normal police officer. 
And this is so funny. So oh, this, this. Yeah, so this one woman posted doing her on a website called don'tdatemgirl.com. And I, I checked that website is not there no more. I was like, I wanted all the tea. I wanted to see whose pictures is on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this thing. So basically she said, because she went out on a date with him, and she said, don't date him. He's super paranoid. Like, he always thinks somebody is out to get him. It's just not a good experience at all. So, yeah. So I guess she put don't date him. So they found all this out about him. Now... By February 9th, there was no sign of him, so they started letting cabin owners come back to Big Bear. And so, basically, there was, at this point, there was a $1 million reward offered to whoever found him. And by February 12th, some of the search teams even started leaving. So, on February 13th, Jim and Karen Reynolds were at the resort that they managed. They were a retired older couple. And they opened up one of the cabins so that they could clean it. And uh, lo and behold, Dorner actually showed up in the hallway. So he was staying in their cabin the whole time. And the funny thing was, where he was sitting at, he could see everything going on. So he could see, like, all the searches, everybody looking for him. So it was like he could have kicked his feet up and really just watched the whole thing. And he was just sitting there incognito. Nobody knew. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So he came out. He pointed a gun at the couple. And basically, he said that he he promised them that he wasn't going to kill them. So, when Dorner first appeared, Jim, he hid his cell phone between the sofa cushions, and Dorner ended up zip-tying the couple. He took Karen's cell phone out of her pocket, and he asked them if they had a vehicle. So, they told him that they had a fully gassed Nissan Rogue parked outside, and so he, they showed him where the keys was, so he took the keys. He led them into the room. He zip-tied their feet. He searched them. Um, he stuffed washcloths in their mouth. He covered their heads with pillowcases. And he tied electrical cords around their heads to hold the gag in place. So at that point, he told them to recite the alphabet. So he was just tricking them to make sure that he they couldn't talk. So Karen acted like the gag was too tight and she couldn't recite anything. And that's what he wanted to hear. And so Dorner packed up all his stuff and left. But then he came back in the room and he asked why there was no keys on the key ring that he gave them and that they gave him. And they had to explain that it was keyless. So it was push button. He had never seen that before. And he, they had to tell him how to use the car, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after he left, you know, the couple was able to wiggle around until they were able to remove the pillowcases. And Karen hopped to the living room where Dorner had accidentally left her cell phone mm-hmm. on the table. After he took it, he left it there. Why take it there? Right. He actually took all the stuff and actually left it you there. Take it and throw it in the woods. Right. But left it right on the table. He probably didn't figure it because they were tied up. They wouldn't be able to, I don't know. What Did that work for you the last time? There, right. <laughs> he just keeps making the same mistakes. This is the craziest shit. That's why he was low grades and stuff like that in the military. I was like, you didn't need to ask the military. I can tell you. Yeah. The stuff I heard just from gangster experience, I don't have none of it. But I'm saying that just listening to other things would be plausible crime and people that know what they're doing, you don't sound like one. Yeah, I man. And so she called the police and four officers that had been at a checkpoint ended up throwing spike strips down. So what they did was, because Dorner had took the couple's car, and so what he did was he followed really closely behind some school buses so he wouldn't hit the spike strip. And when the officers started chasing him, he swerved around the buses and he was able to get away. So then they found the Nissan crashed in a snowbank. He left behind weapons, grenades, tear gases, and a rifle. And the rifle had the word vengeance painted on it. 
Where is he getting all this stuff? <laughs> Cause Tear gas. I was thinking because he was in the Navy. Is he using all his stuff? Like No, the Navy makes you get the back here. So where is he getting all this? That's what I'm I asking. don't know. That's the one thing I never found out. It's like, okay, so where is he getting all this stuff? <laughs> I have no Amazon. idea. <laughs> I'm about to go out there, man. You can get big grenades on Amazon now. <laughs> right, like Jesus. Now, at that point, Dorner spotted a silver Ram pickup that was driven by a local scout leader. And so, and the scout leader's name was Rick. And so he held the gun on him, made him get out so he could take the truck. And the, the scout leader, you know, called 911 from his phone after Dorner had drove off. Now, he passed some officers who had not been notified that he was in a new truck, so they were still looking for the Nissan that was crashed. Mm-hmm. And so, they was basically, so he when he passed them, he fired shots at them, too, on his way passing by. That's what you do. Yeah, and That's they... <laughs> right. <laughs> and they fired 20 rounds. So, at that point, but they did survive. So, the officer, everybody survived that. So, at that point, he broke into a cabin, and he started shooting out of the window. Now, Officer Collins was the closest one. He was ended up he ended up getting shot in the face, and Officer McKay was instantly killed. So at that point, hundreds of police cars rushed to Big Bear, and it caused this super huge traffic jam. They said it was just insane. Like the news, everybody was covering this, and it was just the whole freeway was just filled with cop cars. And the craziest part about this is a lot in a lot of the resources that I read, they said some of the cops had actually started pointing their pistols up to a mile away to fire at the cabin. And I was like a mile away, like everybody. They how, wanted their yes, vengeance. Yes, picture how crazy that was. They was like nobody else could get through because they was all. And they said even even cops that had not been called for this specific situation, like if they was doing something else, they was just dropping everything to just run up there. You know. Well, cops are down, but the cops. Yeah. They, they will come for some cop killing. Yeah, they will. So it's like try if, they, if there was any other emergencies, you may not get a cop that day. <laughs> mm. So um, so basically. Um, they got in contact with a cabin owner where and he had found out that the cabin, like they found out the cabin had a basement. The cabin owner wasn't there at the time, but they did find out nobody else lived there. So what Dorner did was he started pushing mattresses up against the wall to protect himself. And then he started throwing tear gas out of the window. The officer he got more tear gas. Yeah, he had more tear gas. He yeah, he had an assault rifle, so he was shooting. And on top of that, so the officers, what they did was they started throwing hot gas cans towards the cabin to start a fire. Mm. So at that point, once the cabin started burning, a single gunshot could be heard inside the cabin. Dorner went ahead and shot himself. And so at that point, everything was in flames. They got like none of they said none of the trees caught on flames or anything like that, which was a miracle. It was just the whole cabin just started burning down. So it was so bad that they didn't even let the fire department go in until everything just died down. Now, when the fire department did go in there, they found his wallet, which was still intact under his body. So his dead body was laying there and he was laying on top of his wallet. And inside the wallet, he they found a fake LAPD badge business cards and along with two captains that had been on his board of rights and their addresses and their wives so they're so basically yeah so he's dead you know what i mean but we'll talk about the aftermath of what happened after all of this now there have been several facebook pages dedicated to Dorner that supported and sympathized with him because of the racism that he went through and they felt like that's what drove him insane there was there's actually tens of thousands of supporters that joined this group in support of him According to the LA Times, some LAPD employees anonymously said that the department was critical of people who reported misconduct. 
So that the discipline and system was relative uh, was basically it was retaliatory towards the people that was reporting it. So basically, oh, and this is gonna be crazy. So you remember Evans, right? The lady that you know was his supervisor and all this started because she kicked the guy. Mm-hmm. So two years after all the events occurred and after Dorner died, Sergeant Evans ended up filing a lawsuit against the LAPD for discrimination. She said that after Dorner filed the excessive force report against her, she was harassed by her supervisors, blocked from a promotion, and refused, and she was refused to work any OT. So she filed a suit against them for that. I don't see, I didn't see what the outcome was of it. I wish I could have seen, because I want to see if she wanted it or not. It would be interesting to see that. Um, now, in the lawsuit, she also reported that there was a lot of retaliation with her supervisor for reporting against her. Now, remember that mother and daughter, the one that got shot at? Mm-hmm. So, the crazy thing is, at the time that they got shot at, that all they did was send an ambulance for them. Nobody tried to communicate with them because they didn't speak English. So, nobody tried to speak Spanish. Nobody tried to send a Spanish person out. They just called the ambulance and kind of just left them there to bleed out until the ambulance got there. So, they were treated horrible at that time. Oh, God. Yeah. So, now, they ended up having a lawsuit against the LAPD. And they were, yeah, they were awarded $4.2 million in a settlement. Mm -hmm. And David Cardew, remember Surfer Guy? Mm -hmm. He received a $1.8 million settlement against LAPD for how he was treated. So, for them, there was good endings. uh, But I'm sorry that they had to go through that. But that just lets you know, the LAPD in this case, they were bumbling idiots a little bit. Like, a lot of it. So, I, well, I, feel like I wouldn't say bumbling idiots, but I will say overreacting. Yeah. It was a lot of paranoia. It was a lot of trying to get to get back at the police thing, and I think you guys got blinded yeah. by trying to get some police get back. Yeah. That's what it was, and that's what it brings me. So what was the stupidest part of this crime to you? You always say that, and I never have a stupidest. I don't believe you. Don't, you don't keep notes on, like, the stupidest parts of it? Like, because I, I have a whole list, but I'll let you go first. Girl... Do your list. What's your okay, list? Okay, so, the, okay, the super part, of course, like, you, he was in the Navy. Like, I still don't understand how he didn't know how to, you know, to launch the boat. But I was like, well, maybe he was so nervous to give him the benefit of the doubt. Was he so nervous that he did that, trying to hurry up and get away? Because I was like, you're in the Navy. That's part of your training. Like, you That's know so mean? funny. No, it's not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, it's oh, not. The, the Navy is boats and stuff like that. That's the what I'm Navy saying. is a boat, and that is a thing that you do in the Navy. And not everyone commands and does it, everything and does stuff on the boat. So he shouldn't have been able to do that. So like he, so he shouldn't have been able to do that at all. That's not. Uh, this is a lot of ninety percent of the people because you know the Navy ships that averagely carry about five thousand people. Yeah. Not all of them are driving that boat or putting down the anchor. Because I was going to say... a whole lot of other... There's an engineer that don't know shit about driving a boat. Yeah, because I was going to say, I was like, well, you know what? I feel like a lot of... I'm not saying he would have completely been able to get away, but I mean, if he would have been able to get that boat to Mexico, it may have been a different outcome. But then it seemed like when he couldn't get the boat to Mexico, I think at the end it was like he wasn't even trying to, you know, get any other people on his list. Because if you think about it, he had a whole list of people that he was out. If you think about it, he didn't hit nobody on the list, his actual list, except for Quan because that was his daughter. But other than that, everybody else was just innocent people he killed. Yeah, you know I, it? Uh, to me it doesn't sound like he got very, very aimless. It yeah. It sound like he was trying to find anybody or shoot anybody it's not like he was more trying to scare people and mm-hmm. say that he would and could yeah and believe too much in his power like he probably could do some hitman shit he probably thought he was gonna be like a guy from taken yeah and sneak up on him in a, in a room somewhere and do some judo moves 
but that's just not how it happens in real life. Yeah. So I mean, as as that's why I said with him sitting here saying the profile, him lying to girls, saying he's on the SWAT team and all this other jazz, and he's low. I'm like, yeah, all that fits for some guy who's just kind of talking himself up. Yeah, and, and and it makes you see why his marriage only lasted a month. Remember, he got married and then it only lasted for one month. I did not remember that. Yeah, but, for part wow, one. Yeah. I yeah, I don't know how she got to the marriage part just to leave his ass. Yeah. Like, what did you not see before that? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right, I was just saying, they didn't go into real, I didn't see a lot of details of the research behind like everything that happened in his marriage and everything, but it did sound like he was just a paranoid guy. Like, do you think that this was derived from the races that he endured when he was a kid or what he's in? Like, do you think that kind of implanted something in his mind or? I think in a sense it does. Um, but you know, then again, like um, every black American has gone through something racist. Uh-huh. It's unfortunate, but it really has happened. Every uh-huh. black American has kind of been put into their Negro place <laughs> at one point in time. Yeah. So it's not something that is uncommon. Yeah. And so, so the reason why I'm saying that is then if it was, if I was going to blame it on that, then there should be more cases that I could blame that on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's more people that's outside. I mean, because I understand people be playing. We all say fuck the police at one point in time. <laughs> but then when you when somebody robbed your house, you call them. Yeah. You know, so it's it's just a different aspect of that. Do I believe that it stems of it? Yes, I believe that some of those issues did stem to it. Uh-huh. Uh, but some of it does sound like that man was a little unstable on his own. Yeah. You know? It definitely sounded like that, and, you know, and it's, you know, the whole situation was just really sad, and I was just saying, I was like, you know, you're being a cop, being in the Navy, that may not have been something that was for him, but I will say, what do you think about, because I know he did recognize his shortcomings in the end, it sounded like, well, not in it the end. It don't sound like he recognized his shortcomings, that's the thing that I was saying, psychologically, yeah. it sounds like he was not in his own reality, he kept mm-hmm. saying that he was going to this school to be a flight, go to be a pilot. Yeah, and he's doing these things that he's going between these classes to try, and he's mm-hmm. saying that you guys are holding him back because of the thing that was the military. Yeah, they're not doing it right, but in actuality, you're not going to become a pilot. You know, and you didn't do good in, in the studies with the military. You know, we we I don't know how your military career actually went because you're fronting on a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're actually lying to people about how your job is going. Yeah. so that shows me that you're not actually putting in the effort. Yeah. on the job on the forefront. Yeah, because you're just gonna sit here and lie about who you actually are. So, and then in that situation with the with the guy, like I like I said before, is he seems to have not a conscient a, a conscious mind. Of what is appropriate and what is not, and where he, where, what, how she, he should and shouldn't react to things. Yeah, the common sense. And so, no, it's, it's more than common sense, and that's one of the things that it's a hard line to try and put cops on. Is you have to, you have to make the uh, decision that's almost life changing for the person that you're about to interact with, and you need to make sure that you're choosing the right decision and following the right step that will fit for. Your safety and the person. So do you think, and going back to, I know Evans was his supervisor. I remember when he was asking like for more training, like should, can he go back to the academy? What do you think about that? Do you think they should have sent him back to the academy? Or do you think no matter how much training he would have gotten, nothing would have worked? Um, I don't think he would have done as well. Mm-hmm. If he would, I think that would have been a, more apparent if they would have sent him back to the training. Yeah. Um, I think also if he would have, if it have so it would have kind of opened up some things mm-hmm. um, for him. And that, uh, but simultaneously is, I think, instead of 
Because for me, mm-hmm. is I'm just telling the truth. Is my son started had to start kindergarten preschool mm-hmm. during COVID. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't actually go to kindergarten or preschool. He was on these online classes. Yeah. And didn't really get a lot of the information. And the, no, no, no. He was doing that during the first part of COVID. So they didn't have the online thing set up. Mm-hmm. So he didn't go to kindergarten. Oh, that's when they, so, yeah, they didn't even have it. They didn't I have it kids set up. school, yeah, I So when that. he came to first grade, when yeah. he came to first grade age, he was behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and the teacher was like, hey, we're not going to stop, but I'm not going to grade him on what's going on. Yeah. So it is his, it is now the effort that me, well, that is saying it's now the effort of me and my wife and, and, and my son now yeah. to put in this effort to catch him up. Mm-hmm. It is on us yeah. to get us to where we need to be. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And mm-hmm. so some of that is on you, my guy. Yeah. To kind of, because I mean, even like me, I know if I was in that situation, I, I wouldn't, if you won't send me back to training, I'll ask like other people around me, like, hey, you know what I mean? I need help with this. Or I'm not too scared right? to just ask. I become, I become a tutelage of that. Yeah. And I'm never taking the front seat on nothing until I feel like I'm comfortable enough to start doing that because I haven't had enough training. Right. And if you see me being not as interactive as you feel that I need to be, yeah. that's going to be my response. And as I told you before, it'd be reports upon reports. Yeah. And you just like, keep it a trail of things that you feel was in that was inadequately treated to you. Right, because in situations like this, yeah, this is your ass. So you can't do something and then come back and say, well, I wasn't trained adequately. You know, if that's the case, you shouldn't have been in that situation. You right, know? and should have, yeah, she should have had some type of log of it. Yeah, you know and you knew I mean? she was documented because she had already told you, like, I'm going to have to send a report about this, so you should have covered yourself better. That's fine. Right, right. You see what I mean? It's, it's yeah. a whole lot of, I feel like, Yes, of the outside, but not enough of the inner. What what am I? What am I going to take from this? Yeah. Have we all seen pictures of white Jesus in white churches? Yes. Mm-hmm. We all have seen white Jesus on every movie that you've ever seen and every TV show that you've ever seen. Yeah. But it is up to you to actually pick up the Bible. Yeah. And read in the scriptures where he says, "Skin the bronze and hair like wool." Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So since you chose to go by somebody else's word. Mm-hmm. You know, the word history is just his story. Put yeah, together. right. That's, that, the history doesn't make it fact. It just yeah. makes it what somebody wrote the fuck down and they telling the they side of it. Yeah. Because I think I told you before, the, the biggest thing, and it's kind of funny in seeing it, the biggest thing of history for me that kind of made me look at it like that is Benedict motherfucking Arnold. Oh, is that what made you look at that it like It made yeah. me look at history and be like, wow, wait a minute. Like, so, is it just because we're here and we learn it this way? And then they're learning it because Benedict Arnold is the worst person in, in, in American history. One of the worst. He's up there with Hitler. That's <laughs> called a traitor and a horrible person uh-huh. and a killer. You go to Europe, he got a fucking stru- trophy. He got a fucking statue built. Uh-huh. And he's called a patriot. And so that's what kind of makes it. And his so family cool. got land and called him, and, call him and, and, and I think his children got knighted. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. With royalty, they met the queen themselves. So his story. Whatever side you're sitting on gives you the perspective of what you're being told of someone that stands before you. So it is up to you to investigate whether or not what what they truly are to you and your interaction. Yeah, especially because, you know, that was his passion. That's what he wanted to do so bad. You know, he should have definitely invested it more time, especially knowing that he was behind. You know, not everybody learns in the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, some jobs give a week training, six months, a year, but some people are going to be behind. That's just how it is. But, you know, it's up to them to kind of get caught up on what's going on. 
Right, you know? and it is it is on them, but it's up to you to keep a log, yeah, and, and and put yourself in the safest spot. Yeah, you know that you ain't got enough training. You know that you haven't tried pad. You haven't done the stuff in the military. That you obviously the coldest part is they didn't even check, and that's why you said they found out he wasn't even a marksman. Yeah. so you're lying on your police application. Yeah. And that's so scary because you know they're there to serve and protect. That is so scary, right? Like, so if, if you just so you think they lied about just shooting, right? What else did you lie about on that application? Yeah, that you're not revealing that information. So you're not you're not a person even in truth with yourself yeah. on what you can be capable of. And that was going back to that before, what you can be capable of in your reality. Mm-hmm. You you don't you don't hold yourself accountable for the things that you actually are capable of. You look at yourself beyond. And I do think that situation probably would have definitely played out differently had he not, because he started tackling the guy first, and then Evans jumped in and did all that. So had he, you know, not did that, I definitely think it would have played out a whole lot differently. Right. Or had you not lied on your application, yeah. they probably would have treated you differently and had this whole different process for you. Yeah, they're thinking that they're he's thinking the you're one. A like, Navy, you know, military star. Yeah. And multi awarded and all that shit. And there's some some of these protocols that you should already fucking know. Yeah. You know, on this level that you're saying you are. That's why they're looking at him like. Wait, he should know this. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That's like if you lie too much. And let me say this: do lie on your resume. Oh people. yeah. Help yourself out. I'm not saying don't lie on your resume. Yeah. Everybody you everybody and put, yeah. put yourself up a little bit more. Everybody tweaks a little bit of something. So. Right. But <laughs> if you do a little too much, yeah, you will end up at a job that you know nothing about. Yeah. That might yeah. be, you know, I think there was a lady that was in Australia that did that. Like, she made, like, 350000 They actually arrested her because she just lied so much. About her. Right, and you right? yeah. lied, and they got a job that she didn't know shit about. They it was fucking shit up. About, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what is she doing? Is <laughs> 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 that you not facing your own reality. Yeah. And like, so you overreached on accident. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not humble because then they're, they're not going to train you as much as they could. So you're actually shortcoming yourself. You're shortchanging yourself. Mm-hmm. And putting yourself in a situation where either, either you're going to be revealed or you need to teach yourself right. how to catch up. So I should stop quitting. I sing like Beyonce on my acting resume. You should definitely stop. Oh, because that's going to hurt you in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since you're not taking singing classes. Because <laughs> if Paramount actually calls you and give you a record deal for 200000 you know what they're going to want you to do? Sing. Is sing. Oh, gosh. Do you think that Beyonce would be my ghost singer? Not for 200000 <laughs> 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 they have toilet paper that costs more than that. <laughs> Them people, I think he has an actual talk to him toilet that what? costs a half a million. Oh like there's, there, he ain't worried. They, they ain't worried about your twenty two hundred thousand <laughs> singing voice. <laughs> what she will do is let you call yourself Beyonce and sue your ass. Oh later. my gosh, and take my little pities. <laughs> that's what she will do later on. I apologize. That way you can get a whole lot of publicity and get really good. Yeah. And then sue your ass. Yeah, Beyonce, if you're listening, I apologize to you. <laughs> right, girl. Don't you put your name with hers. <laughs> well, do you have anything else about the case that you want to talk about? Oh, no, no, I don't I don't have anything that I felt was kind of wild or stupid. Well, um, I feel like psychologically, I feel, honestly, that uh, at the end of it all, I think he was a hurt man that really wanted to hurt people. Mm-hmm. At the end of it all, I don't think he even had, attended on doing the list. Yeah. He was hurt. He wanted to, he felt, he, his lies caught up with him with his truths. Yeah. And it, it makes you feel smaller for those people that it does happen to. Yeah. Um, when you don't live in your own reality and you realize who you, and you get put in the situation of being just who you are, yeah, it, it's small into your world. So he was lashing out 
Yeah, definitely. That's a sad case. And it, I wanted to see more information on his mom and his sister. Kind of, I think they're kind of staying low. But after the aftermath, I wonder how they took it and stuff like that. You know, I can't imagine it would have been easy for them. Yeah. His family, no, I don't yeah. think so. I mean, I don't know. His mom was very, probably very proud of him because she believed of everything that he was telling before. Yeah. And um, I know that the injustices that was done with him, she probably could see that it did hurt him psychologically. Yeah. Um. So, and seeing your child do anything like that, I know that you don't want to believe that it could be your kid. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, I can't even, that's so heavy. I wish he didn't kill himself at the end. Yeah, well, was, he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison, so he was going to kill himself or something. He was not going to have a good future. Well, I don't think the, the, the how the, it sounds like the officers react, and that's one of the things that I've said, it was just overly exertive mm-hmm. of trying to be retaliative. Yeah. And that's something that we need to just kind of let go as a human emotion. Some of, the, some of our emotions are a sickness. Yeah. You know, um, and that's one of those is to have the desire for revenge mm-hmm. and retaliation mm-hmm. uh, because it becomes overly needless where you become this cycle where you'll end up just destroying the entire world if you think about it. Yeah. You know, revenge to revenge, revenge is just going to lead to death upon death. Yeah. But I feel with, with that, he was never going to come out alive. Ever. And, is, I, and he knew that. I think he knew that. He, he the fact that he had the cop, the cop uh, a previous cop background. Yeah. So he was like, he's gonna die on his terms. So he just killed himself. Because after they set the fire, it was over. They they did that to lure him out. He was like, I'm not coming out. He just shot himself. Yeah. So yeah. Those are. are, That's that's wow. That's a wild. It was like it was a horrible way to end. Well, next week, you know what case we're going over? No, I don't. We are going to be covering the case of Aaron Kathy. Do you know that case? Uh, no, but she sounds like a basketball player. No, Erin Caffey is the girl that had her parents murdered so that she could be with her boyfriend. She was a 16-year-old girl. This is the type of stuff that terrifies me. Yes, and we are definitely I am a father of a little girl. I know, that's what's going to be so crazy. And the, the details of this case is insane. Her mom, her dad, and her two little brothers, they had to go so that she could be with her boyfriend that they didn't want her to be with. So have you have your daughter ever dated some guy that you didn't really like her dating? Um, no, no, not yet, <laughs> not yet. Yeah. But Does I just make you nervous to tell her not to date. Uh, her? Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna go over that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's already scary to tell a girl no. Yeah, not even for murder. Yeah, but the fact that for some reason when you tell your daughter she can't date that guy, he all of a sudden becomes hella attractive. Oh yeah. In your mind, just like in your mind, they have ten packs. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> ten pack with abs and just out of jail with tattoos on his oh, face. Oh. That's your yeah. dream guy. Yeah. You know? And so, like, immediately they become that person to him, even though it can be a dorky white dude with a beer belly. But he becomes that when your parents say no. Yeah, so it's almost like you got to do the reverse and be like, yes, <laughs> so that they won't like him. Like, you know? like chase they... those thugs yeah. and smoke those drugs. <laughs> right? That's what we want. <laughs> <Did you say> <laughs> <that>? <laughs> well, well, we'll be back next week. So in the meantime, you can follow us at on Instagram at Hot Garbage Show. And we have a Facebook discussion page. It's called True Crime a hot garbage true crime edition please get in there and i always post everything about the cases and send us a gmail at hot garbage news at gmail.com and everyone take care watch your back out there peace